what is up everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host Mauricio Rodriguez streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, let's talk about let's talk about the Cowboys defense, man. We're excited about it. Uh, we have to be excited about it. <laughs> Shout out to Samuel Rowe. I appreciate the compliment. Samuel Rowe says, uh, Mo has really nice hair. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you to Samuel. Uh, that, that will be my one cool thing of the week. Just Samuel saying nice stuff in the comments. Uh, shout out to Holly. We've got Maurice as well joining on Facebook. Welcome everyone into the show. Let's talk about that Cowboys defense, man. Dan Queen has been known to stir things up schematically for the Cowboys defensively. It was last year when the Cowboys decided to move Micah Parsons as a full-time pass rusher when, when they started to get banked up at edge rusher, when we kind of start realizing just how creative Dan Quinn could be and maybe how he could take this defense to another level. But he's already in his second year with the Cowboys, and he keeps surprising me. And, and, and as I reviewed the tape, two things popped out to me. The first one was the Marcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is being unleashed in a lot of ways for the Dallas Cowboys. We know that he's been playing inside sometimes. We know that he's been rushing the passer from the same side than Michael Parsons is. And we're also seeing him rush the passer from the other side. And I've, I was surprised at how much DeMarcus Lawrence kept popping up on the right side of the formation. That is against the left side of the offense. And just to put it in perspective, in 2021, in seven games played, he only had 11 snaps on the right side of the defense. Through two games in 2022, he's played there 25 plays. That's about a third of the Marcus Lawrence's snaps on defense. And I thought maybe we're not talking about this enough. Maybe we're not discussing that the Marcus Lawrence some way, somehow has been a part of maybe even solving or making up for the absence of a guy like Randy Gregory. Of course, Armstrong, Fowler, Sam Williams, all of them are leading that effort. But you're also seeing the Marcus Lawrence play on the right side of the defensive formation. And I think that's kind of new. Uh, I think that we have not seen that before unless it was based out of need. And you can see the techniques that he's been playing so he can line up in front of the guard. We've been getting him in front of the tackle as well. Uh, I actually didn't include one snap in that 25 count that he played at right defensive tackle, honestly, because I missed it. But look at, look at the Marcus Lawrence just doing his thing, playing on the right side. I think that's exciting. You know, that's, that's just Dan Queen putting his players in position to succeed. We know and we always praise the hybrid fronts that Dan Queen puts out there. And I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see more of D-Law on the right side of the defense. I think that will benefit the Cowboys tremendously because it allows you to do a lot of stuff. 
first and foremost, it also uh, it also makes you improve in the running game. We're we're only two weeks into the season, so let's not overreact to the following stat. But the Cowboys are actually a top team rush defense right now in EPA per play and success rate. So we're seeing an efficient defense versus the ground attack. And once more, we're only two weeks into the season. The Cowboys have faced Tom Brady. They have faced Joe Burrow and company. So even though they have faced two offenses that consistently run the football, they have also faced teams that are dealing with some issues. In, in Tampa Bay's case, that's the health side of things that they've been struggling with. And with the Bengals, the whole communication thing, the whole pass pro scheme problems that they've had. So we need to wait. But Marcus Lawrence being around the entire defensive line certainly helps in the run game as well, I would say. That's one of them. And by the way, I will take this opportunity to ask you in the chat, how would you grade Dan Queen two weeks into the season? How would you grade him? Let me know in the comments if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube. Please let me know how would you grade Dan Queen. And before you do that, while you do that, excuse me, and before I give you my answer, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because the ride of the week is the new 2022 M5 Miata Sport. This is a vehicle that starts at $29,560. It comes with Apple CarPlay slash Android Auto, convertible roof, blind spot monitor, and the safety of the lane departure warning. Make sure that you check it out. Miles per gallon capacity of 20 in the city. That goes up to 26 when you are in the highway. Remember that when you choose Freeman Mazda, you're choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer. So make sure you check it out. The vehicles of the M5 Miata Sport are in FreemanMazda.net. Once more, that is FreemanMazda.net. So how would you rate Dan Quinn? Uh, let's see. V plus says OBJ, uh, not OBJ, excuse me. Uh, 7-Eleven. Dom says A plus, A minus for Holly. Gregory with the A plus. Uh, Chris said OBJ for some reason, and I kind of, uh, I kind of misread that. A plus for Bill over at Facebook. Jeff says that Dan is the absolute best. Tommy says, is there something higher than an A plus? If there is, I give him that. I will give. Dan Queen through two games and A minus. I am very excited excited for what he's bringing to the table. But I agree with Holly. Uh, I only say A plus because we did a lot of bending to Tampa Bay, and that is a that is a solid argument. And I also had an an A minus grade for him in this question because of the I'm I'm still not convinced about the run defense for the Cowboys. Maybe that has a lot to do with talent, though. However, I already talked about one of the new trends that I noticed. For the Cowboys, which is the Marcus Lawrence playing on the right side. But also, I love what the Cowboys did with Tampa 2 defense versus the Bengals. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the Tampa 2 defense, uh, I found the most basic picture that I could find in Google Images. So here you guys go. Uh, here, you, here you go. This is a defense that's a cover two, as you can see. But you got a dropping middle linebacker that's going to take the deep zone over the middle of the field. And that defense was popularized by Tampa Bay, by Tony Dongi, when he was over there with the Bucks, when he built one of the best defensive units in history. This is a defensive scheme that has disappeared from the NFL just because of how difficult it is to pull it off. 
as a linebacker. You don't see a lot of linebackers that can run that deep and stay glued to wide receivers, to athletic tight ends. So little by little, we've seen it disappear in the NFL. And it's making a resurgence uh, recently around the league. Last year, we saw that with Micah Parsons. So it's not the first time that the Cowboys are playing Tampa 2. And we will likely continue to see this from the Cowboys as they face some of these dangerous vertical offenses like the Bengals are. The Cowboys didn't want to give Joe Burrow those deep shots. Even the Bengals quarterback complained about it after the game. Not really complained, but he said that the Cowboys played a lot of Tampa 2. And he mentioned it as one of the reasons why they didn't have success. Although you could argue he should have been ready. And Bengals fans are certainly upset at the notion that the Bengals were not apparently ready for it. And I'm not surprised. I was not that surprised that Micah could play Tampa 2 last year just because that's Micah freaking Parsons, right? But how about Leighton Vanderish actually getting those Tampa 2 looks as a middle linebacker? We were seeing, uh, and this is from a different play, actually. Uh, I think I, I forgot to load one up. But we saw Vanderich consistently throughout the game drop into deep coverages, getting on the run and him doing his uh, his thing as a player in pass coverage. And he was actually pretty solid. There was this play on the first drive for the Bengals in which he pretty much was step for step with Tyler Boyd, the Bengals wide receiver. I like that Dan Quinn is trusting his players to do all of this. Because if you can trust... Uh, and maybe we also saw Anthony Barr and those kind of looks at some point. I'm not sure about that, but if at some point they want to do that, the one thing that you're doing is you're able to give the opposing offense those looks with a deep linebacker while Michael Parsons is still rushing the passer. Because last year, I repeat, I think that when we saw Tampa 2 defense, we were seeing... Micah as the deep linebacker. And although it was impressive, we weren't that shocked just because what we were learning about, about Parsons is that he was a beast. But seeing LV in that role was definitely impressive. I think that he actually had kind of a good game versus the, the Bengals. I thought that he was impressive. And I thought that he's not getting enough credit for that maybe. Versus Tampa Bay, Vanderish did not look good maybe he, he looked decent but versus the Bengals he was definitely a standout player more Dan Queen grades are coming in uh Kenneth went with the B Scott Coles is a minus who else Celia Estrada with the A six to midnight says is Tampa 2 our base defense I don't think so the Cowboys I I believe will remain a single high kind of team uh the Cowboys still run a lot of Cobra one cover three which is a single high safety kind of defensive look. However, when you face teams like the Bengals or when you face, um, of course, the Cowboys don't this year, but say that the Cowboys end up facing the Rams maybe in, in, the, in the playoffs or maybe in a hypothetical matchup versus an explosive offense like the Bills, like the Chiefs, this is the kind of defense that you want to play. This is what we've been seeing in response to the deep passing schemes that we've seen recently take over in the NFL. This is what defenses are doing to combat that. And to know that the Cowboys are versatile enough and that Dan Quinn trusts his guy a lot, 
to play these kind of schemes is a big positive. Heading into the Bengals game, I didn't know what the Cowboys were going to do. I didn't know if they were going to stick to their own thing, which is cover one, cover three, and maybe allow Joe Voro to challenge them with deep throws to Jamar Chase on the sidelines, to T. Higgins on the sidelines. But the Cowboys didn't do that. The Cowboys adapted to the rival. Dan Quinn did, and we saw positive results. To know that they can do that is a huge, huge positive for the Cowboys moving forward. Six to Midnight says, I wish that we ran more cover three. I, I do think that might be one of the base defenses for the Cowboys, cover three and cover one. Of course, cover one is the man version maybe of cover three, but I think I think we see a lot of cover three though with the Cowboys this year. 7-Eleven says, Mo, my prediction of Parsons having five or more games with at least two sacks is well on its way. It is. It is. I mean, two for two so far. So not only two for two, just I don't know if you guys, for those of you who follow me on Twitter at Mao NFL, that's M-A-U NFL. I tweeted out this picture from ESPN of their pass rush win rate leaderboard. Micah Parsons is number one in the NFL with a 59% pass rush win rate. 59%. Two games into the season, that might change pretty soon just based on uh, overall regression, I would say. But the fact that the number two on that list is Von Miller with 46, which means there's a 13% gap between Micah Parsons and Von Miller in pass rush win rate is insane. Bruce says, Mo, my one cool thing is that Micah didn't go into that show that shall not be named. Oh, he didn't again? So that's off? <laughs> of course, we'll get into the one cool thing later on the show. But man, the fact that Micah didn't show up last week was huge. I forgot that it was Tuesday again, and that was supposed to happen. But yeah, uh, I'm, I guess that's over now. I guess that will not take place. I, I thought it was funny that Fox... Uh, promoted that as the as a first-time ever unprecedented thing to have a player for an NFL team on a weekly segment with them. Because Pat McAfee has gotten Aaron Rodgers for multiple years now, every, month, every Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't even know anymore. I think it's every Tuesday as well. That's, of course, the standard of day for NFL players. So, hey... I'm not even going to lie. I'm excited that Micah decided not to go to the show. So that's cool. <laughs> I understand why Bruce used it as his one cool thing. But anyways, those are the two new defensive trends that I wanted to talk about. Tampa 2 with Leighton Vanderish as a dropping linebacker and the Marcus Lawrence playing on the right side. Of course, they're both doing it well. It's not only that they're being used like that. It's the fact that they're doing it well. But anyways, moving on to some of the news around the Dallas Cowboys. Dennis Houston. Dennis Houston was waived. Man, that was a surprising one to me. The Cowboys waived the undrafted wide receiver. This means that he will go through the waiver wire. Any other NFL team could put a claim on him and sign him to their roster or the Cowboys could bring him back to the practice squad. 
The Cowboys already took a similar risk by waving John Ridgeway, and that didn't pan out well because he was claimed by the commanders. We'll see if he finds his way back into the Cowboys later in the year or, or even next season. But so far, Houston was also waived, and that was a big surprise to me, and I will tell you why. This guy was being played on offense, like legitimately played by the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even know what the snaps looked for Simi Fehoko in Houston, but I can guess that they weren't that far apart. Jalen Tolbert was a healthy scratch for two consecutive weeks, while then Houston got the nod to suit up on game day, and then he was waived in the third week of the regular season. I, I'm weirded out by that. And to me, this means that Michael Gallup is ready to go. I don't know if you agree with me, and that's actually a question. Do you agree or disagree that waving Houston means Gallup is ready? Because a lot of people uh, have been speculating on what this means. And a lot of people are getting ready for Jason Peters to be called up. Now, that is something that I would definitely expect. I would definitely expect Jason Peters to be called up pretty soon, whether it's a practice squad elevation or whether it's him getting signed to the fifth three man roster. Whatever it is, I think it still makes an impact on the wide receiver room. And I don't think that this is about Jalen Tolbert being ready to make a step because it would be super extreme to go from Tolbert being a healthy scratch over uh, instead of Dennis Houston, excuse me, and then waving Dennis Houston to suddenly elevate Jalen Tolbert to the roster, right? To, to an active game day role. I think that would have, that would be an extreme shift by the Cowboys. So I think this might be more about Michael Gallup being ready for Monday night football, which of course seems to be a possibility. And Stephen Jones talked about it yesterday, discussing, and, and while reports came out on Gallup potentially being on a pitch count versus the Giants. I think Tolbert at some point will be ready and it might be next week. But if I had to bet, I would say that waving Dennis Houston has to be a sign that Michael Gallup is ready. Otherwise, I'm not sure that I love how quickly the Cowboys change their mind and go from making Jalen Tolbert a healthy scratch for a couple of weeks to waving the guy that they were playing over him in the first place. I think that it would be so extreme, and I, I'm not sure that I would be comfortable with that uh, level of aggressiveness. It was a head-scratcher, as says El Tino in the YouTube chat. I was weirded out when that notification popped up on my phone. Anyways, let's see some of your uh, responses to the question. Do you agree or disagree that waving Dennis Houston means that Gallup is ready? Holly, uh, Bruce, Tommy, Gregory all agree. 7-Eleven, though, says disagree. I think that it means that Tolbert is ready. Kenneth, Peter also agree. Uh, so a lot of people agree. I do think that at some point Jason Peters will also be elevated, but 
you only get so many wide receivers anyway, so it still makes an impact on that position group. I am pretty confident that Gallup will see some action on Monday night. I don't know how much. Uh, it might be a pitch count indeed, like some have reported. So we might see him get uh, a few snaps, maybe about half of the snaps or something like that. We'll see. And I do think that at some point, Tolbert will find his way into this offense. Roy says that Tolbert is a better deep threat. Man, I'm excited about Jalen Tolbert. I've always been. You guys saw me in day two of the NFL draft when he was taken by the Cowboys. Uh, you guys saw me freak out here live with Skywalker Steel. I wanted that pick. I, I'm surprised that he has not been active so far. But then again, he is a third rounder. And if they try to send a message, then I do like that. Sixth to Midnight says, Peyton Hendershot is going to get his shot this week, Mo. I would assume so. I, I would be very surprised if Dalton Schultz plays next Monday. Uh, I don't know if they have officially ruled him out. I don't think so. I think that I would know. I think that this is a game in which Peyton Hendershot will indeed get a shot. I don't know if he will be heavily targeted, though, by the Cowboys, uh, but he's playing, and I don't think that the Cowboys will suddenly just abandon tight end heavy looks when they're in the situation that they are in right now. Bruce says, I would have loved to see Schultz, to have Schultz for the Giants game. They have always been terrible against tight ends of Dallas. Hey, we'll see how, how Hendershot and... Of course, Jake Ferguson, do. Jake Ferguson continues to impress me, by the way. He was physical once more in that playing field, this time versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a violent blocker, and you got to love that. He's, he's the ultimate Big Ten kind of tight end blocking, and I love that. So we'll see. Uh, those would be my takes on the Dennis Houston waving. Again, I was surprised by it. Quick early look, though, at the New York Giants. The Cowboys opened, speaking of the Monday Night Football, the Cowboys opened as three-point underdogs. They're going on the road. They will, visit, they will visit the New York Giants next week. And my question for me to you is, are the 2-0 New York Giants not legit, kind of legit, or straight-up legit? Because they're favorites. Over your Dallas Cowboys. That spread quickly moved, by the way. It opened at three points. It moved to two and a half. And of course, that's only half a point. But for anyone who watches NFL football or bets NFL football, knows that that is a massive difference because three is a key number in the world of sports betting, just based on how many games are decided by three points. So are the 2-0 Giants who beat the Tennessee Titans, who beat the Carolina Panthers. Are they not legit, kind of legit, or maybe they are legit? Brian Dable leads the way. Sugar Daddy Williams says, nope. Hollis is not legit at all. Gregory says, kind of. Their defense is legit to 6 to midnight. The rest is up for debate. Bruce says, and this is a big question. I like it. How long has it been since Dallas we're underdogs to the Giants. Huh. My guess, and I don't know, but my guess would be 2020 when Dak Prescott was injured because the second game, of course, there was no Dak. 
I'm trying. I don't think that in 2021, there's no way that they were underdogs to the Giants. So my guess would be 2020. But honestly, as I'm saying, only a guess. Michael Beals is not legit. Albert says legit mostly because of Bradley. I don't know if he, uh, if he meant Barkley, though. Kind of legit. Not legit. Not, not a lot of people saying legit, right? Tommy says as legit as the Island Boys. <laughs> Man. What's that, Tom? And I want five. I cannot believe somebody just brought up the Island Boys on my on on the comments. That was a curveball. I did not expect that. I would say that they're kind of legit, and I would say they're kind of legit because I don't expect them to be a major threat in 2022. But they do have some pieces there. I do like Brian Dable. They blitzed the heck out of the Carolina Panthers. And we'll talk more about that later in the week. But defensive coordinator Martindale, he can he can make some creative stuff happen on the defensive side of the ball. And they've, they've gotten pressure in without a cave on Tiva though, without a C's Audulari. So it's a team that maybe you need to watch out for. Saquon Barkley looks like he's back. The one thing that makes me doubt the New York Giants is that Daniel Jones seems like the same old Daniel Jones that we've seen since he joined the league. I think to be, being two and a half favorites versus the Cowboys is fair since they're the home team and the Cowboys at the end of the day still do not have their starting quarterback even though they beat the Bengals without him. Uh, I'm not surprised at the spread at all. That would be more or less what I would have expected. But yeah, I think they're kind of legit. I think they have some pieces there. Adoree Jackson, we'll talk a lot about Adoree Jackson, I believe, this week because he's a huge reason why the Giants are being able to blitz a lot. Uh, they can trust Adoree Jackson as the number one cornerback, and maybe that's another reason why they were comfortable not re-signing or not extending the contract of Bradbury, the other cornerback. Adoree is their number one guy, and... He's been exceeding expectations over there in New York. So we'll talk more about that throughout the entire week. But you guys know that I always like to have this uh, way too early look at the team and the upcoming matchup because this is a daily show. And I, I think that Tuesday is the right day for that. Kenneth Fraser says a team to look out for is Buffalo. Josh Allen is on fire for sure. Yeah, the good thing is that we don't face them. That, that's that's the good news. Uh the Cowboys got the easy part of the AFC, which is the AFC set. So they will face the 0-1-1 Indianapolis Colts, which were supposedly the favorites to win the division and have suddenly dug themselves into a hole early in the season, especially because they went winless versus two fairly easy opponents, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who the Cowboys will also face as part of that division. And then you get the Tennessee Titans in December. Uh, so it's it's a good thing that we don't have to worry about the Bills unless the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl. And if the Cowboys get to the Super Bowl, I don't think we'll be uh, super worried about it. We'll just be hyped about Dallas being in the big game. Uh, but yeah, Buffalo looks scary. I took the Titans plus 10 last night. I thought that the Titans' style of play would keep it close enough for a backdoor cover. But man, the, Titan, the, the Bills absolutely obliterated the Bills 
Uh, they're on fire. I agree with Kenneth there. And not only do they have high-end starters on offense and defense, they might have the deepest roster in the entire NFL. Bruce says, I think that this is the game that Trayvon Diggs gets his first pick. Wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me at all. So I agree there. Before we leave, before we get out of here tonight, what is your one cool thing of the week? For those of you who are new here, this is where we share something personal, something uh, professional, whatever you want it to be, sports-related, non-sports-related. What is your one cool thing of the week? Let me know in the comments uh, if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube. Jonathan Taylor, I appreciate you. Thank you for your comment. He says, awesome video. Thank you. I appreciate it. We are live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas on the Man Sports Talk Network. What is your one cool thing of the week, people? Let me know. I hope that next week, my one cool thing of the week can be Aaron Judge getting to 61 homers for the New York Yankees. I, I really hope so. Uh, not, there, not there yet, though. He is at 59. The Yankees lugger continues to chase history, some sort of history at least, because the 61 home run record uh, is controversial because there are higher records, but of course from Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, all of that. What's your one cool thing of the week? Gregory keeps it simple. He says Dallas beating Cincinnati. My one cool thing, I will go... Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll get to that. Uh, my one cool thing is that I will finally catch up with the Rings of Power series. I have not seen a single episode, and I am set to do it tonight. At least I will catch one, the the, the pilot. We'll call it the pilot, right? Uh, so finally. Six of you that says I have a new flat screen to watch Monday Night Football. And then Holly, man. <laughs> Holly made me laugh. That's a funny one. Cool thing. I'll just read it and 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 move on. I ran into my ex and we got busy. There you go. Daryl says my Cowboys won. Uh, Kenneth Frazier says I'm still able. <laughs> Man, this is why I love these kind of segments. You never know what to expect. Kenneth Frazier says I'm still able to wake up in the morning and put both feet on the floor. Holly, that's an old time one cool thing. I think that that one and Toxic Tom's one about uh, her mom's birthday, that one was a huge one as well. Uh, so we're, we're going to have to come up with a Hall of Fame of One Cool Thing comments. Uh, I like that from Kenneth Fraser. I, I like that one, though. I'm still able to wake up in the morning and put both feet on the floor. Oh, Sugar Daddy Williams is celebrating his birthday. I don't have the... The Mexican birthday song anymore loaded up in my soundboard. So I owe you that one. But at least I can tell you, Feliz Cumpleaños. Happy birthday to, to Sugar Daddy Williams. Uh, who else am I missing here? Albert Alvarez says, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. That's that's exactly, hey, that's what we need to think of as well. Uh, anyways, do me a favor. <laughs> uh, it's not the, That's not the right the right sound effect. All right, there you go. Do me a favor and hit the like button. Every like puts this show in front of more Cowboys fans and share the show. Uh, I'm Mauricio Rodriguez. I'm here every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. 
I appreciate you, and I will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. And we will preview the game versus the Giants. Then on Thursday, we will get the betting the Cowboys segment, the final prediction segment. And, you know, we're 2-0 on betting the Cowboys. For those of you who are not familiar, that's a segment in which we make one bet for the Cowboys game. Week one, it was the under. Week two, it was Cowboys plus seven. And I can proudly say that 83% of the bets were on the Bengals minus seven. We took Cowboys plus seven on betting the Cowboys. So hopefully we can get to 3-0. It would be tough. It will be tough, but we, we will try to achieve that. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Prime Time was presented to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Check out the ride of the week on FreemanMazda.net. And I will see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Adios.